Welcome back to Now, the podcast celebrating a variously compiled world of pop. In each episode, a variety of fabulous guests and I explore favourite compilation albums, as well as considering how these collections shaped pop culture and now fondly stand as time captures for our own musical and life milestones. I hope that you will enjoy the pop memories in this episode. Please follow the show through your favourite podcast provider and join in with me, Ian, on the Pop Rambler Twitter, Facebook and Instagram pages. Welcome and indeed the most festive of greetings as the Back to Now podcast brings 2021 to a close. And from a variously compiled world of pop viewpoint, what a fabulous year it has been. And for this special end of year episode, we shall unwrap the last 12 months of now and take a fond look back at which compilations have tickled our fancy and sparked our collective curiosities. Whilst the most famous of numbered compilations have continued to bring together the biggest hits We've also welcomed three more numbered issues back into our collections. And henceforth, we have bid fond greetings to, amongst others, Mel and Kim, Taffy and Carol Fialka. But this is only the tip of the now popsicle when we consider 2021. Consumers of fine compilations have been spoiled for their chosen tunes with a smorgasbord of selections, including everything from glam to 60s girls, from boogie nights, disco to Disney, Eurovision to two volumes of 12 inches of extended stimulation. And did we mention the wonder that has been the 83 and 84 yearbooks? And as it is indeed the season to be jolly, we shall take a sleigh ride stop and carefully unwrap the newest now Christmas album and decide if it's worth stuffing into your stocking. Joining me then are not one, but three of this year's guests. Radio 2's Sounds of the 80s producer and masterful master mixer, Johnny California. Hello. Music journalist and all-round social media pop mogul, Ian. I may be tiny, but I'm strong. Wade. <laughs> no use. Hello. <laughs> and finally, the man that has brought the Ducky Club night back to life and continues to sprinkle pop joy wherever he goes, it is Mark Wood. Hooey! Gents, welcome back to now. How are we finding you? I'm fine. The world is opening, you know, and it, it's feeling really busy. The ducky nights are going spectacularly well yeah, we're again. Back. We, we, it was a shame. We, we opened, ducky opened on the 4th of August, but me and my DJ partner were in Sitches. Where else? We were in Sitches sunbathing. I thought all the time that when we opened it would be slow but we have been absolutely rammed rammed with kids and I don't know where they're coming from you know it's like half the crowd now I reckon are 25-ish and it's one and they are just so they just don't give a shit what you play one of the best receptions we've had since we've been open again this really busy packed club was we just decided to drop mouldy old dough at one point You know, you could tell they've never heard it before. They were going crazy, you know, like all getting their phones out to Shazam it. You know, re I realised when I started that I got used to not DJing after 18 months, but I realised how much I'd missed it. Can I just confess something? What? Never heard Mouldy Old Dough in my life. It's a good job Sorry. you don't work for Sounds of the 70s, isn't it? <laughs> no. You well, you're in for a treat, I can tell you oh, that much. Oh, yeah. <laughs> How would you describe Mouldy Old Dough to somebody who hasn't heard it? Bob Stanley said it was the most brown record ever made, which I think was kind of perfect. <laughs> yeah, he's it? right. It's like, it's like um, beer. You know, like when people drank ale in pubs, not lager, just brown beer. It sounds like a working class knees up, speeded up with a glam rock beat. It's out of this world. 
Can't wait. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds of the 80s goes from strength to strength, I believe the radio figures are telling us, Johnny. Yeah, we've had a really good, I mean, we, all the Ray Jars, which are the uh, the audience figures that you get on a quarterly basis, all of that stopped. But uh, in the space of those 18 months, we also moved time slots. So we went from 10 till 12 till 8 till 10 on a mm. Friday, which has also made a big difference. But we've got, uh, yeah, we've got a massive jump in our listening figures and in our audience share. What on earth you were doing in that slot when, you know, the 80s is probably the most popular pop decade. You're much more in the prime time and Friday night is just the right time for you. And there is so much love for the master mixes. Johnny, you know that I'm part of your community and I'm a long time listener and a a great fan. And I'm going to ask you to tell us what your favourite of your mixes has been since over lockdown because you do some amazing work there. If you were there, if you were there, as Juan once said. Um, oh, that's you... our new strap line, by the way. Is it? Sounds of the 80s. If you were there, you'd know. If oh. you weren't, pay attention. That's, that's good. That is good. BBC Sounds, that's going to be the top line. Wherever oh, I like that. I like that. But yeah. what made a good master mix or mega mix, or whatever, whatever you want to call it in those days, was those kind of moments when things segged well. And they, they were so exciting. And I get that on the show when I listen on a Friday night. It's, it's that I do. Kind of, it's brilliant. You hear a bit of intro coming in, don't you? You think it's not. It's never. It yeah. is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, that, and that's what we need on a Friday night. I think possibly my favourite one was Duran Duran, but it was coming up to the 40th anniversary of Duran Duran releasing Planet Earth, which was back in February. And it was, uh, it was actually quite cool because Simon Le Bon tweeted and he said, what an amazing mix this is <laughs> on oh, Radio Johnny, That's right wonderful. Fabulous. Without wishing to insert myself into the story of Sounds of the 80s, but I've gone freelance this year. So one of the things that I was still doing is consulting on Soft Cell and a bunch of artists from my old job. I ended up actually collaborating with Johnny because Johnny had Dave Ball on Sounds of the 80s and he chose yeah. his three favourite songs of the 80s and they were bloody good, weren't they? They were good, yeah. He chose uh, Burning Car by John Fox and The Model and Fade to Grey is his all-time favourite oh, song wow. of the 80s and it was, it was a wonderful thing. Yeah, it was great. I listen to music all the time, but I don't want to spend that all of the time listening to 100 new tracks a week because I'm not John Peel, you know. There's an awful lot of music about we shouldn't complain. You know, you increasingly need good people to curate this stuff for you, bringing us back to the compilations idea. You know. Oh, that was good. That was well, good, Mark. No, it's just that no one's doing it for me yet. Again, again, on your John Earl's um, Back to Now uh, episode, and you, talk, you, know, you were talking to John about top of the pops you know disappeared Mm. the same year as that now 64 you were talking about and the great thing about top of the pops was that he used to kind of put things in front of you in a kind of easily digestible way that you probably would never run across and in those days you couldn't you couldn't possibly have found all this stuff out and that's what we're lacking I think we're lacking a filter Mm. and I'd rather it was a human being who's you know one of you guys or you know plenty of other people who would choose stuff that uh, I trusted to put it together for me. You know what I mean? I, I mean, I do my pop scenes, which come out like mm. once a month, which uh, I originally wanted to kind of have 32 tracks of things that I've liked in the last month or so. And, you know, like just mixing it all together and I could try and sort of sequence them into sort of a, a now type vibe where there's the big side and then there's the sort of indie or rock, rocky side or whatever, just depending. This time of year is always quite interesting because loads of people just, 
kind of come back and you know they've got an album out February, March or whatever. Yes, just... Foles. Yes, that single's amazing. It oh, is yeah. really Duran Duran. Sounds like notorious uh, yeah. era Duran Duran to me. But, but it, you know, you don't have the cues or anything where these people will, would have three or four pages in. Absolutely. It is actually coming back to that point that we're all touching on, that actually less is sometimes more. And yeah. if it's well curated, there's still a place for that. I was watching the 91 Top of the Pops on BBC4. By that point, I wasn't watching Top of the Pops back in the day. It was still actually quite on point with what was happening in the charts. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when I went through a binge of them, when because uh, my other half likes me to clear up the, the skybox, <laughs> the studio where there was kind of the miscreants of sort of dance or whatever, or like, you know, and then there would always be the sort of Sony videos from Mariah and Michael Bolton that with this weird soft focusness. <laughs> I'd sort of watch them and kind of, oh, Michael Bolton, uh, you know, I, I felt quite emotional with Roxette Joyride a few months ago. It was kind of like, what a record, you know. It's a single. Yeah. Great yeah. But, but it's go. weird because, again, like none of us were probably watching it religiously or, you know, but there is a fondness now kind of seeing how things were. It's a shame, really. I, I just find it kind of quite frustrating. I always used to love working on Later at this time of year mm. because it was all award season and there was always like one or two weeks where the show where they had the Q awards so there'd be loads of people come down to the studio for, as guests and like one week where there was Alice Cooper and Elvis Costello in the same room and mm. another one where it was like Nile Rogers and Lou Reed we're turning like into old men shouting at clouds really a bit here what we are talking about when we consider where 2021 has been is that there's still a need for curation of music and there's still a need for proper TV music. Oh, no, completely. It's, and again, it's almost like ABBA. It's weird, because when I was writing a review for the new album, I thought, when ABBA last released an album, they were up against Adam and Yance, they were up against Human League, just this really kind of mixed, wild bag of what was constituted pop music. Now, this year, they're up against Adele, Ed Sheeran, Taylor Swift it's all very much they all kind of no offense Radio 2E there's no one kind of spiky or different or weird there you know they they could all quite easily fit on the same playlist but there's um, no one spiky or different or weird that about. is no, exactly. no yeah yeah, so, yeah. Uh, I tell you what is good on so it has been a great thing started in lockdown of course and now we're out of lockdown it's still great is Channel 5's Britain's favorite so oh. oh yeah they are making some great shows at the moment. And, you know, this isn't uh, rocket science TV. It's just they take a year from the 70s, 80s, 90s, and they talk through the entire top 30 best-selling songs. So you don't just get the same old stories about Don't You Want Me and Stand and Deliver. You know, they'll be touching on all sorts of interesting things which don't get properly talked about when you are referring to a decade as a whole so by boiling them down to the individual years you get to see some great footage you know they've got some pop stars who were actually involved at the time and some talking heads katie puckrick's on there she's amazing daryl easley friend of the show he's on it every week he's yeah. amazing talking about these funny little records that defined a year it's almost become the bbc4 well that's yeah yeah. that's what i was going to say because actually we're kind of seeing a shift and if if somebody had said to us a couple of years ago actually channel 5 is going to take over and be the real must see friday Mm -hmm. night spot for music you'd have said i don't think so but mark's absolutely right 
it's a simple format and it works so well. I think what helps it work though is is the official chart company. It is mm-hmm. this is the top thirty. It's not a let's let's pull together. It's not clips. curated or can you talk about this because you're yeah, in the room type exactly. Thing. It's like you. This is the list. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, they were on 1972 and they were talking about uh, Seaside Shuffle, which is, you know, yeah. one of these songs. Jonah and, of course, and of course, it's Jonah Louie. And you think that's a brilliant talking head because you don't see. Well, if you do see Jonah Louie, he's generally talking about Stop the Cavalry. So and here he was talking, you know, he was probably so pleased to be talking about this song. Funnily enough, when I was at Universal, we um, one of one of the kids that worked with me, she she was put in charge of, you know, just looking at a bunch of Christmas songs and making nice assets for them and, you know, encouraging people to go and stream them again. And one of them was Stop the Cavalry. And apparently Jonah Louie was the loveliest man on mm. email mm. and he finished off you know he was so helpful and you know so chuffed that people were paying attention to these and then he just finished one of his emails with now can we have a look at some of my other records please? <laughs> 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 like right when we get to 1979 you know i'm sure they'll be featuring you'll always find me in, in the kitchen at parties it's just mm. a great you know it, you know it's like the TV equivalent of the now yearbooks, you know, done with a lot of love, some witty people involved who know their pop music and they love their pop music. And they're just sort of saying, this is what it was like, you know. Let's move across then to Now Itself, because it's been quite a year. I think Now has released 26 compilation albums this year. I have the Now albums page open, and I was like amazed at, like, God, that was this year. Um, but yeah. They're being very, very, they're on, they're, they're really on a roll now, the Now team. And, you know, I was thinking about this, looking at what they've released this year, and they've now got three markets almost, if you like. So they have their their numbered series, which is, you know, the one that will always be number one, you know, of current hits. And then and then they've got what they've been doing for a, a good while anyway, which are the sort of three CD sets or the hundred hits sort of things, which are, you know, genre based. And they've done something really smart this year with the yearbooks, which is they've started really nurturing people like me who are fans of now. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's like a fan base who are probably smaller in size. We're not mass market. And they're doing stuff like making things available on vinyl and coloured vinyl and box sets with decent sleeve notes and you know I think that's really good so they've got they've got three potential areas that they could go in they know their audience now Mm. and it's not that they didn't before because now have always done compilations well but there seemed to be a sharpening of the focus this year let's be honest the yearbooks the sleeve notes are back 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 it's and obviously friend of the show michael mulligan writes those sleeve notes uh, as we know um the, your first guest ever ian michael second Second, um, was the first. second. You know, I was thinking about the appeal of those because when they were announced, I was as excited as if, you know, a new Craftwork album had been announced or, or the Velvet Underground had come back to life or whatever, you know, you name it. And, you know, on the face of it, I've got Girls Just Want to Have Fun on about 40 different compilations and I can go and stream it for nothing at any time I want. But there's something about, you know, if you, and I always felt this when I put box sets together and stuff, is if you throw a bit of love at something and elevate it and present it in the right way and put it together properly. And that's exactly what now have been doing this year, especially I think with the yearbooks. 1983. Four CDs of massive hits. Celebrating 1983, the first year of now. 
like people that know their pop music and they know their pop music fans. No, exactly. I think, I mean, the yearbooks especially is sort of the 1984. I was just like, this is perfect. This threw me back to that entire time. And especially with the 83 uh, one and the new sort of collector's edition three disc that's coming out with extra stuff. That's, that's a brilliant like, idea. Yeah. Like you say, you, you can have endless compilations for certain tracks on, but then the idea of sort of having Red Guitar by David Sylvian or <laughs> Propaganda and all this sort of stuff nestling alongside um, Cindy Lauper and all that sort of stuff, it's just, that's what pop music was about. It wasn't this soundbite type thing where everyone has you know there is this annoying habit of like let's look back to the 80s and it's like soft cell tainted love don't you want me who mm. you know all these kind of obvious ones and they're the tracks that kind of they sold the most obviously in their million selling records but you kind of think well yes it's nice that people are actually kind of digging a bit further into kind of these people's discographies because that is pop music you know and again with lockdown and with radio again it's sort of fascinating when you get into this sort of drive of like knowing what Ken would play or what Steve Wright will play or whatever and certain really obscure odd records and you think well this is yeah it isn't the biggest hit or whatever and that's what I feel like the yearbook's been fantastic in. It's interesting now yearbook 84 there's this running joke with now having Queen track one but for some reason 1984, their biggest one of their biggest years, then nowhere to be seen. <laughs> George Michael has replaced the Queen. Yeah, I think you can have George Michael or Queen first because they both require it. This now, they, they are getting this spot on. Even calling them yearbooks and, you know, the kind of hard book version yeah. of it. And I just think it's been one of the best gifts we could have had from now this year. I mean, 84 was the year where I started properly buying records. I'm a little bit younger than some of you. <laughs> Um, this track list, but w- whenever I look down here, it is, it, it feels like my history. This is year dot for me. It, almost at any time I see any of the names and any of the tracks, I, I almost like picture having the single in my hand as yeah. I go along, almost like I'm flicking through. Yeah, you know what I mean? So, yeah, I do, uh, I do know exactly what you mean. I mean, apparently 84 is one of the best years ever in pop. Well, this is this is what they say. I think it is, don't you, Wadey? I do. Uh, my struggling <laughs> book is still trying to get through it. But yeah, 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 I think so. And it's such an important and key year for so many things. Hmm. Um, but the fact that it starts with Relax and kind of ends with you spinning around crawling up the charts. It was a huge year for gay culture breaking through. And you've got the the sound of the rest of the decade kind of creeping through with Stockaken and Walkman on Hazel Dean and Divine and things like that. Shannon Lewis on there with the SOS band. Isn't there an element with these of being able to right some of the wrongs of the past? So how many nows came out in 1984? Was it just two? Three. Um, Three. So, you know, I just love the fact that on here we've got Evelyn Thomas's High Energy, you know, Never Mm -hmm. On A Now album. And that's the way I like it by Dead or Alive, which is easily the best performance by anybody on top of the pops. It's really good to see it on the Now Yearbook because it's definitely part of the story of my 1984. You said Dr. Maboose, didn't you, AD? Which, again, you know, it's just great to see that on there. Thieves Like Us. Wow. What a brilliant year. Caterpillar by The Cure. That's kind of like, you know, nobody's favourite first go-to Cure song. I mean, I love it. Now, that one was another really memorable Top of the Pops performance. I don't know if you remember it, but 
Robert was in his white granddad shirt phase and was wearing a lot of Diamante and leather trousers, of course. For that performance, which was really, really weird in 1984, especially on top of the pops when they had zoo, you know, everything was very kind of up and sort of almost a bit forced, the atmosphere in the studio. Everyone was sitting on the floor of the stage doing the caterpillar. It was this very kind of gentle performance. I just remember the violin just like scraping yeah. and everything mm. like that. <laughs> I was learning violin at school back then and I just thought, God, why can't I do this? I don't want to do Claire de Lune or any bullshit. <laughs> I want to be in the cure, you know. <laughs> One's way. That's beautiful, isn't it? I mean, yeah, Maggie Dumont, she, what a beautiful woman. Yeah. Have you ever had her on the show, Johnny? We haven't had her on the show. We'd love to have her. Uh, he, she's friends with Gary, actually, as friends well. Friends with me as well. Oh, well, I'd love to have her on. You cannot do a mega mix because then you could have no memory in there as well. Oh, my you? God, what a record. But That's I fair, actually yeah. think as well, a lot of the a lot of the track listening on this has come about because of I think social media because of just the fact now that we're all re-exploring this again and we're getting tracks like Dolce Vita Rock the Boat by Forrest all these songs that we're just almost getting forgotten it's like these have to be put back in the in the centre going back to those old compilations those old Roncos and K-Tells they were the songs I remember things like the House That Jack Built by Tracy. That was then, this is now, the story of the blues. These were the songs that actually were the first comp tracks I really knew. So they're back in the forefront again, which is brilliant. Things like Kissing the Pink, I remember having on Chart Runners, on Ronco and stuff like that. And I, I don't think it's been on a compilation ever since. You're right, though, um, Ian, is, in saying that, you know, some of these have been done on, on the 100 hits. You know, like, I love mm. the 100 hits compilations and yeah. I love them for the randomness of them sometimes, even though a lot of it, did repeat but the differences between those and say these for me is that those felt like they were being compiled with those quirky odd ones because they were cheaper and easier to to grab the rights to and put onto a compilation as opposed to we're putting this on this album because we are trying to be more comprehensive with I mean what I find quite revolutionary with the collector's uh, edition of yearbook 83 it's got confusion by new order on now that I, I mean for a time i preferred that to blue monday because blue monday was everywhere blue monday is still everywhere and you think about it's got soul inside on it as well which is exactly yeah genetic engineering you know i mean if you ask a soft cell fan you know a cell mate um you know soul inside regularly voted the best soft cell single by the sort of super fans and it is a brilliant single and And it's not rap it's not (laughs) rap by kenny everett i know know. not kenny everett's best single that would be captain cremin but oh yeah (laughs) yeah and i think it's verge of roland rap rap rapping (laughs) oh let's hope so and we said it earlier but i think we should give a big shout out to michael mulligan because his sleeve notes are just fantastic and having the pleasure of having michael on the show he can cram in thousands of pop facts (laughs) very very quickly congratulations Michael, fantastic bit of work. His Christmas number one's book is absolutely phenomenal. You know, it really is. I, yeah. I bought it last just published week. it, and he's got like a chapter. He's written a chapter on every single Christmas number one, and um, he's done a little snapshot of the Christmas number two at the time and the top ten of the time, and the things that he's come up with. I just sort of make my jaw drop. Here's just a quick one for you: Bohemian Rhapsody, right? You know, everyone knows that was a Christmas number one twice. Yeah. Not once in Bohemian Rhapsody do they say the words Bohemian Rhapsody. However, Bohemian Rhapsody in its lyrics does include the name of the song that knocked off number one. 
Mamma Mia. So I won't say anything. <laughs> it's Mamma Mia. <laughs> when Mama I read that the other night, I thought maybe confused people just thought, oh, is that song called Mamma Mia? <laughs> and just ended up asking for Mamma Mia. Yes. Got ABBA. But then after about nine weeks, I think it was. <laughs> no, mate. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's just, it's full of stuff like that. I mean, yeah. it's a wonderful read. And, and he's done such a good job on these. Now, yeah, but he's got the kind of authority. He's got the sort of slightly cheeky smash hits kind of style. He makes it interesting. You know, they're falling over themselves to entertain you with these yearbooks. And I think that has got to be applauded. <laughs> Let's go for some extended 12 inches, shall we? Oh! There's a lot of love for the No Dance albums from, from 89 and 90. And, and a lot I of I could people... even remember the catalogue number for the cassette. TC mm. Nod. Yeah. yeah. And lots of people have been asking for years, could we have reissues of them, especially with the reissues coming out? And then now came and actually surprised us again and probably went one step further and gave us now 12 inch 80s extended. Where do we begin? I'm going to come to Mr. Wade on this one, I think. Kid. Hi. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I'd like to go on record now and say, actually, these are utterly amazing. When I was actually listening to it and thought back to those previous 80s co- collections of 12 inches, there was that argument in your head, do I buy the 7 inch of the song or the 12 inch? Some of these 12 inches are kind of as embedded into my head as the 7 inch versions, you know, when they go into sort of cowbells or claps or all this sort of stuff. So they've been absolutely brilliant, probably like the the most played ones alongside the yearbook and the, the soul classics in this household shall we say so yes apologies to now for kind of shooing you early this year um, i love you the second of the two extended ones especially with company b fascinated and male stripper and stuff is just perfect i can remember buying the 12 inch if i'm not scared by eighth wonder and there's that run at the end of that disc where you've got that liza Manelli and dusty springfield which is just that pet shop boys trilogy but the 12 inch of eighth wonder it was just so good yeah, yeah I-, I mean pet shop boys disco mixes you knew were going to just be a work of art on top of the singles and i think one band that really kind of actually thought well we've got a lot of fans and they're going to buy everything there wasn't just like the seven inch with a little bit of extra clapping on it. You listen to sort of, I don't know, left to my own devices, 12 inch. Oh, glorious. One thing I will say about 12 inches in the 80s is that, uh, you know, you've got no money, have you, when you're that age? You know, I did used to agonise about whether I wanted the one that you heard on the radio and then you'd get the 12 inches that completely reinvented the art form and made the song a lot better. So it was always a bit touch and go. There are still some 12 inches from the 80s that I don't, Particularly, I'm not particularly fond of, but there are some that I would, you know, definitely take to the grave with me. And, and I completely agree with you, Ian. The fascinated Company B club mixes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Johnny, what's your favourite 80s 12 inch on these albums? I can see <laughs> it. I know. <laughs> I'm looking through the track list. I'm <laughs> looking at something and I'm hoping he's going to say it in a kind of way of sort of like. Yeah, know. go on. Wow. Wow. Okay. Hold on. No pressure. There's a few. Sex crime. I, I love the fact that sex crime is on here. Because that's such a forgotten Eurythmics track yep. and the extended version. I couldn't find that on CD anywhere. So just the fact that it turned up, that made my uh, year. I would go for <laughs> Dead or Alive, the murder mix. Which yeah. is insanely good from start to finish. Oh, there it is. There's my favourite one. 
Lost in Music, Sister Sledge. Yeah, the 84 oh. mix, yeah. It's oh brilliant. my goodness, this record, first 12 inch I ever bought. Yeah. Uh, I bought that as well. I bought this the same day as I bought Tina Turner, What's Love Got to Do With It, on 12-inch. My brother bought People Are People by Depeche Mode. That's the most uh, iconic 1984. <laughs> 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 this is just us in Enfield Town on a Saturday. Uh, you know, Lost in Music, that version is the only version I will listen to. I can't, I can't listen to any other version, really. Uh, from the start of it, through to the Simon Le Bon and Nick Rhodes backing vocals bit where they come in towards the end. This is actually my favourite record of all time. That's lovely. I did. That's gr- Look, we found something out about Johnny. I know, uh, it is. It is absolutely my favourite record of all time. I would argue that across these two 80s 12-inch comps, there's probably everybody's favourite 12-inches somewhere <laughs> in here because they've Hopefully. absolutely nailed it. The one that actually jumped out to me, and I'm so glad there's so much love for it again, is Apollo 9 by Adam Ant. Oh, what a oh yeah. Because that Francois Kervokian mix I'd never heard is just incredible. It never ends. It just goes <laughs> on and on. Things like Break Machine and Rocker's Revenge that, like, well, when I'd started making compilations of various years on Spotify a few years ago, you could never find quite the right version or you were so used to the seven-inch version that the seven-inch edit that they had on Spotify wasn't quite right. I mean, Break Machine, they were quite big. For, for they were. They also had a breakdance party, didn't they? They did yeah. have a breakdance party. They had yeah. like three <laughs> top five hits in the, about I... six months or something. They were like the Gibson Brothers of Breakdance. Wow. <laughs> uh, i tell you what you never see on the 12-inch 80s collections, and there is a problem with it, I believe. Gary Bird's The Crown. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which is, you know, it's a shame you can't get a decent edit of it to play. Now 10. Pump up the volume, pump up the volume. Pump Featuring up the volume. Mars, the communards. So anyway, we've had the reissues of 8, 9 and 10 this year. I am really, really hoping that the reissue of Now 11, when it comes out next year, has that proper seven-inch mix of Rock to House on there. <laughs> well, yeah. let's all pray. If pray. anyone's listening. They've got a couple of songs missing, haven't they, on this, on 10. They've got um, Heart and Whitesnake missing, which I think is a terrible shame. And it's not their fault, you know, probably come from the label. It's a sizable missing chunk of side two, isn't it? Yeah. Back in the day, you know, that the now would be, because there's a completely different version of Two Tribes, I think, on now. Yeah, there is. Yeah, there is. Exclusive, wasn't it? Was yeah. It mm-hmm. I think even the Pet Shop Boys, there's a sort of like really exclusive version. And so, yeah, I think I can understand why people get upset with their memories being messed around. If you've loved that compilation and mm. you know which track starts and how you immediately have another song in your head when one finishes because of you've been so used to how that flows. You can also let the perfect be the enemy of the good, can't you? So we've got these things, they're coming back, they're coming back on CDs, they haven't been available on CD for ages. Yeah, they can't be perfect for reasons outside of their control, but you'd still kind of rather have them, wouldn't you? Oh, yeah. Uh, they look, yeah. They're gorgeous things, I think. Yeah. Because yeah, the artwork, again, from the first 20 at least, you know, where they were all pretty much different until it yeah. got the love it. Thing yeah. Thing. Well, gorgeous. And I love that the artwork for number 10, it's just a, a really evocative because my sister had that um, at Christmas that year. Um, so I, yeah. And um, I just remember kind of sitting around her house looking through it, almost be mentally playing the tracks in my head, kind of going through it. And <laughs> that's why I got sort of quite obsessed with these sort of things. And because I think it was a hit seven out that year, because I got hit seven and she got now 10. 
I'd sort of weigh up which ones were the best. And I think they both kind of weigh up quite equally as good as each other. Yeah. I think. Right. Yeah. And again, it's a Christmas thing. They were probably massive sellers now, 10 and hit seven. If you put yeah, them both together, got, they're all there. Yeah, you've got yeah. like Criticise and This Corrosion and Paid in Full on Hit 7, which is mm. kind of like, yeah, these are the things I'm into. And But then, you know, you'd have Pet Shop Boys and all sorts of stuff on, on the now, you know. It was kind of like a Sophie's Choice in some respects, whether you mm. like weighed up in the shop if you were buying them or, or you were asking for them for Christmas as to which one you wanted. I mean, I got Hits 5 and that was just a disaster, frankly. Oh, don't Maybe. don't don't start Johnny on Hits 5. <laughs> hits 5. But, <laughs> yeah. but as I'm I said, not, actually... I'm not getting into a 1986 fest. No, no, it's, it's fine, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> We've <laughs> covered this. <laughs> you remember getting Smash Hits and it would be a double-page spread of glorious colours for Now albums, but Hits advertising, it was just like, will this do? <laughs> It was just like this kind of like half-assed sort of like, oh, well, we put an advert out and Try colours shocking, really. Yeah, the now folk are doing the extra albums for the yearbooks. Johnny's actually got a four-hour extra podcast episode just looking at hits five on its own. So <laughs> coming out <laughs> next year, <laughs> listeners. So I mean, I can carried on with my hits compilations going up until 1999 if they had continued, but I think it got to like they did continue. Point. They were just in like really weird. No, but they're not on Dino Records or something like that. <laughs> Telstar. And Telstar went shit, didn't it? Dino's when they got really bad, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I used to have some really good Dino compilations, actually. There was 270s ones called The Rhythm Divine that were yes. fabulous. Oh, fine, yeah. yes. I'm talking about what now it's done this year. They've done that nice Boogie Nights one. It's great, but I still think that those Rhythm Divine 1 and 2, they were, they perfect. were the gold standard for the oh. disco collections. We're touching on the 70s there, so let, let's use that as an opportunity to seg in a kind of podcasty type way into the two 70s albums of the year, which is The Boogie Nights and The Glam Pop. Oh, yeah. This is now 70s Glam Pop. The biggest glam-tastic stars of the 70s. I almost had a heart attack again when I saw that this was coming because we were all 80s. I was a teenager in the 80s. I was a kid in the 80s. But I seem to have been born a bit late because my Heartland era is the early 70s. That's my era, if you like. And I said before when I did my podcast, you know, I had a lot of older, young women around me growing up. You know, my auntie Janet worked for a record company. I had another auntie who was a teenager. The now glam pop 70s was really smart because they didn't call it glam rock, which gave them a bit of scope to go into areas that, you know, you could never conceivably think of pilot or Ab- um, or the Osmonds as being glam rock as such, but they've just got that great early 70s pop thing. And, you know, I think that when you're a certain age, it's kind of easy to like everything in the charts. So looking at the glam pop compilation, you know, there are acts in there that, you know, I clearly if I'd been an older teenager, you know, I'd have been very snooty about. But I love them all. You know, I love them all as much as I love the sweet T-Rex, you know, wizard Susie Quattro that's what you lose when you go into adolescence and teenagers. You start becoming a bit more discerning, I think. Or, or if you're really, really into music, you do start thinking that some things in the charts are better than others. Well, when you're a, when you're a pop kid, you just want everything. That's the rush I still get. You know, seeing a track listing like this now, glam pop seventies, and I, st- I still get it watching. Britain's favourite 70s on Channel 5 at the moment. And, you know, it's it's just 
really me. It's trashy pop music, but it's so artfully done. All of these records were like such amazingly made records. And, you know, looking through this track list again, because I've got this album as well, and I've just loved it to bits. I mean, Ding a Dong by Teaching, I'm sorry, but I, I would, st- that's up there with Moldy Old Do, which is also on there. Absolutely. Can I just can I just shout out for Fox only you can. Oh so yes. That's Goldfrap for you 30 years earlier. And yeah. I mean it's just some amazing stuff that I mean like Rock On by David Essex is St. Etienne's favourite record of all time, pop fans. Completely. And I mean, you know, even Amateur Hour by Sparks reminding people that there's more to Sparks than yeah. one train, you know. Um, I mean, oh, it's just glorious. It's it's really well done. There's a really clever part of the sequencing where uh, Venus by Shocking Blue is followed by Nana Hey Hey Kissing Goodbye by Steam. Got you. He just missed, <laughs> missed a trick to put I am one R after that by Brad Brad. <laughs> Maybe that was a glam pop enough but um it was definitely an early 70s hit but i mean venus and nana hey hey but they're both glorious banana rama singles but brilliant originals as well the great great thing and i'm you know i'm just pleased that you know 50 years on there are still people out there making these collections these glam rock collections The disco is kind of almost the other side of the coin, but a couple of years later, there's all these amazing one or two hit wonders of like Baccarat and Voyage. This pulls a lot of the less known disco tracks that mm. aren't often heard. The sequencing's great on this again, though. And you've got all the biggies, but you've also got some some real standouts. Amanda Lear, excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> also, Sheila and B Devotion singing in the rain. Yeah, what a record. I know. Automatic Lover, D.D. Jackson. Patrick and things like that. It's really nice to see Light My Fire by Amy Stewart. You know, at the time, it was as big a hit as her version of Knock On Wood, virtually. Nights on Broadway, of course, Candy Staten, that's just a fantastic record. I do private events sometimes. Always available for <laughs> everybody out there. Still available. Hit me up on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but you always find with these private events that invariably you will head to disco. And this compilation actually filled in a few gaps I didn't even realise I had in my collection that I would take with to these yeah. events. And I'd be like, oh God, there's that. Of course, I'll just drag that in. You know, music keep on jumping is on here. That's banger. brilliant. Oh, I love in the bush. Nobody seems to celebrate in the bush. I love in the bush. Yeah, <laughs> I love in the bush too. I just want to kind of just point out just that connects the glam pop and the disco album the raw band the crunch and automatic lover dd jackson there is that nice yes over there again this sort of british glam sort of shoddiness but amazingness i remember just loving the raw band uh, and just that robot with dd jackson you know the automatic it was sort of slightly shit but incredible when you're eight well that that one wadey and follow me both mm. of those i've played at ducky at different times when mark armand's been there and he's got he's gone mad he's come oh, up to wow. the dj booth and he got in the dj booth when we played a mandolier and was really enthusiastic. It's, they're both very soft sell, Dee Dee Jackson mm-hmm. and um, 
and Amanda. I wouldn't mind mentioning just now Decades of Soul. I, I really like that. To me, the ultimate soul compilations here in recent years are Soul City and Return to Soul City, which, as Mark will tell you, he kind of was... They're the best things I've ever done in my life. Yeah, and he threw them back to, like, Black Explosion, kind of some of the... and sold out and all that sort of stuff. And this was almost kind of like the now brand kind of having a go at it. You know, you look at the each disc where it's sort of 60s, 70s, 80s, 60s, I'm kind of thinking of like Chartbuster albums and Atlantic Soul and all that sort of yeah, thing, Motown yeah. Chartbusters. You look at the 70s and you think Black Explosion and uh, a lot of the K-Tel sold out, sold in, whatever. 80s, I get a kind of night flight, a moonlighting kind of vibe off it. Yes, yeah. yes, there were feelings. There were lots of those albums, weren't there? Yeah. The 90s, again, that's kind of almost like, I mean, I can't think of it immediately of a 90s compilation, that album strand that had all those sort of things on. But, um, you know, the first three discs, just love to bits. It's a collection that, you know, you could give to anybody and they'd be happy with that. But I still think it would be great if they did their version of Soul City and just did a 70s soul one. And then if it worked, you'd do an 80s soul one and a 90s R&B one. That's what I think I would like to see next. Yeah, you could easily see a now 70s soul, couldn't you? Easily. Yeah, mm. yeah. No question. It's almost like inevitable isn't it yeah great i mean yeah if you got the glam pop you got the disco and that you know now i've covered the 70s really well this year haven't they out of all the now also are we not doing now 109 or now 110 you can do those if you want okay well i'm i'm not but uh <laughs> but can i just can i just uh do a shout out for my favorite now title which is now that's what I call a massive party. Yeah. Which is my favourite <laughs> yeah. now title so far. That is really good. <laughs> now that's what I call a massive party. It's got the pig in a party hat. <laughs> <laughs> DJing with a pair of shades on. Oh my goodness. The artwork, the title. I think it was Ian who's. I remember you on Twitter when I think it was now 108 is the return of the axe on the cover. Yes. Where it's sort of like throwback to kind of like, you know, starring Ed Sheeran, Olivia Rodrigo, blah, blah, blah. That's a really good idea, though. Yeah, we remember that. Just that small detail points yeah, back it, to compilation. It makes it less anonymous because, you know, you can look at all the nows and sort of think, well, yeah, 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 I got that. It's names to faces for a lot of people as well. Also, with the numbered nows, they're starting to look different from each other again. Yeah. Was, you know, the sort of around the sort of 90s and the early 100s, they were sort of, I'd go into Sainsbury's or whatever and think, have I got that one? Because there's nothing on the front to tell you who's on it and they were all looked really the same but i don't know if you noticed that now 108 uh, which was a kind of psychedelic color pattern looked really distinctive and then now 109 was a fun fair you know it looked like so it's kind of getting back that distinctive thing that distinctive artwork for each volume yeah the fun fair it's, it's also the seasonal reflection because now yeah and one kind of and one one ten's yeah. gonna be like it's like an ice palace kind of look isn't it like yeah frosty yeah. and they, everything they, they did always do that though didn't they for well probably for the past 20 years where they would have the summer now would have a lollipop on it the winter one would be icy it would be or starry of, or yeah dark. and it should be yeah. yeah. What I'd like to see next is lots of small pictures of the bands. 
Yeah. Like a no three. Joining us on our protest today. <laughs> you know what? The pig, the pig, can I just say, though, like just a nod to now 109 and now 110. The pig really is back, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. I remember on Twitter as well, Ian, you were saying about the pig on now 109, the little yeah. pig balloon. And the pig is back on now 110 as a pig snowman, which I've just noticed. Oh, really? Yeah, there's a little pig. Hang on. <laughs> yes. Let's have a look. Yes. You're right, you know. The yep, pig there is. It is. Very clever. I mean, this is this is attention to detail, isn't it? They've got yeah. it. They've, they've got their mojo back. It's funny how the pig is back as well, because we all obviously we remember the pig really well, and he was like it was iconic, really. But when you think back, the pig, relatively speaking, the pig wasn't on very many volumes, really. He no, got right. by, now right. five was the last one. Three, yeah, four, and five, yeah. Super stylish. So they probably had the pig for four volumes. There was just the picture on the back. There was the original cartoon yeah. picture yeah. from the Bacon Company right. on one, and then three, and then four, he had these shades on. <laughs> yeah. It was quite jazzy. And then five, he just went kind of super, the big shirt, the big, Shirt with all this stuff on the front. Oh, with the logos. Yeah. Is there a pig on the Christmas sleeve? Good question. Oh, oh, oh. Johnny, <laughs> get in there, mate. No. I, no, I don't no. think there is. There's... No, that's the uh, snowboarding snowmen. It's fantastic. Compared to kind of the, the tweeness of the that, those five disc boxes, this the, is actually now Christmas is fun type vibe. You know? The pig oh, was wait. never a Christmas thing, though. No, but I do like the pig snowman. On pig snowman's good. <laughs> Now Christmas, the greatest Christmas album, packed with the biggest Christmas crackers. This year has been a bit of a shift. I think it's absolutely brilliant. You know, like the discs and the white vinyl and everything, you know, this year's Now Christmas just seems like, yeah, we've kind of brought it back and we give a shit, you know. Yeah. And the sequencing's <laughs> good on it as well. And we all remember the first No Christmas album from 85 because it was the first time that all of these 70s, 80s hits have been collected together. You know, and we talked a lot about, again, 84 and how 84 had been so important for Christmas. And this, and, and I think 73 had been important for Christmas. So I think this year might actually be quite good. I mean, there's quite a, a few sort mm. of big Christmas tracks coming out. The Ed Sheeran and Elton John is not going to fail to kind of do numbers this year, you know. You just get so used to things like Step Into Christmas being iconic and be, being your Christmas song that I think sometimes when somebody releases a second Christmas single, it's sort of, it's a bit like George Michael because you've got Last Christmas and like nobody really remembers the December song, but I love the December mm, song. I love it. But yeah, it, this has got everything. You don't, you wouldn't want like a second Slade Christmas song or anything like that. All these are kind of such atomized moments in time. Can I just pick you up on George Michael and the December song? Obviously, it's five years this Christmas since he died. I just think to myself, you know, everyone's always campaigning for Last Christmas to be number one. See, now it has been number one. Yeah. Like, isn't it about time there was some love for December song? And yes. yes. Like high in the charts because, that you know, or number one even, because as you say, it really is overlooked. It sort of evokes a more realistic Christmas experience. Again, you know, a lot of these po posthumous songs take on extra resonance, you know, 
beautiful records. We've both had Mariah and Wham at number one. It's time for other people to kind of like, you know, finally achieve their Christmas number one. Elton's been creeping up year by year the last few years. Maybe even the Pogues might finally do it. Oh, yeah, we haven't entered the annual season of the Pogues discourse yet. <laughs> oh, yeah, we, have to, we have to talk about that, definitely. Oh my God. Well, we're going to have Now 11 out in the early new year, which obviously brings Always On My Mind back in again. Isn't that that great now, Now 11? Just fabulous. (laughs) And I think I pointed out, I I don't know if it it was our podcast, Mark, or if it was with Justin's, that the end of Now 10 is the Pogues and the beginning of Now 11 is Patient Boys. Yeah, which yeah, yeah, which yeah. is just brilliant, a brilliant synergy between the two albums. Always on my mind, I remember a Ducky a few years ago, because Ducky doesn't play Christmas songs as such, if I'm right. Oh, from St Etienne and the Wombles. Other than St Etienne and the Wombles, but um, there was one year where you just did December hits, and that was one of the best nights yeah. of my life. Yeah, I just, yeah. I've got this thing about Christmas, not Christmas, and you know, like, records that remind me of Christmas, like Hold Me Now by the Thompson Twins and Victims yeah. by Culture Club, to me, that's as Christmassy. Erasure sometimes, you know, that was a big hit in yeah. December. Yeah. Uh, put that on and it reminds me of like winter and, you know, twinkly lights and dark evenings. Great. There's a few of them on this new album. Keeping the Dream Alive is slowly creeping into this. We All Stand Together is perennial Christmas song from 84, even though it's not a Christmas song. And we've got Jason Donovan on here as well. Yeah, I, I do love that record, to be honest. Uh, when You Come Back to Me, you know, these songs evoke that yeah. memory. Do you know what I'd have put on there, even? And if you're going to do that, I, I think they could have got away with um, Rick Astley's When I Fall in Love. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. As a Christmas vibe, you know, it's just got that Christmas thing. Hasn't well, that, it? that was the one that was meant to be Christmas number one that year. Yeah, it? exactly. Yeah. But From- also, this has got quite a weird exclusive. I looked at the playlist and I thought, oh, yeah, Gary Barlow released a Christmas song. Um, this is off his new Christmas album. Oh. This oh, is it? It's got on there. The press release says Gary has recorded his first Christmas album. So I don't know whether that's a treat or a threat, but yeah, that's quite an exclusive. I was wondering, you know, for a few years back there, Greg Lake disappeared from these Mm. annual now Christmas albums, didn't he? Mm, With I believe in Father Christmas and now Mariah's disappeared, unfortunately, again, they, they won't have been able to control that. Has there ever been one, in your opinion, that has absolutely everything all of them has there ever been a definitive one no really no because this is is the closest we've ever got yeah this new one by nature of having St Etienne on there for me is just like well that again like you say you make your own Christmas compilations since CD burning and everything my Christmas compilations have kind of things like Just Like Christmas by Lowon which to me is just as iconic as these songs are Rufus Wainwright's Spotlight on Christmas and stuff like that to see St Etienne in there, I always feel like they should be having their annual paycheck like Slade and Chris Rear and mm. everybody else's with that record. It doesn't get celebrated or played enough. And I'm so thrilled that it's on here. What really gets my goat as far as kind of Alexa and those play Christmas music. I mean, for us, I mean, certainly for me, I know, and I'm sure I speak for all of us, that is just sacrilege. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, like, you know, on the first Now Christmas album from 85, 
there's a bedrock of sort of enough records that everybody would pick about four or five favorites on there that they would put on their own Christmas playlist. But now when you're just like, Alexa, play Christmas music, and now you're sort of got forced these things where, you know, suddenly you're responsible for Ellie Goulding, which is kind of quite frightening. That's the know. thing is that you're you're influencing what will be celebrated in years to come as, oh, this topped the charts in so-and-so year when no one really cared. It wasn't a cultural yeah. event. Reading through Michael's Christmas number one book is like, especially how non script the last decade or so of the Christmas top tens are pop music is important as I keep saying but you look at the top 10 the Christmas number one page for 2020 and literally like eight of those tracks date back 50 60 years yeah. you know I mean, you've got Band-Aid and Wham and Pogues and Mariah and... I suppose time will tell if this is the final word in Christmas music, because every it's year... A, it's really good, and, and, you know, sneaked on a summer's winter melody on there. Yeah. Yeah, there's ABBA's Happy New Year, which has always been quite misused on these albums. Yeah. Because Happy New Year is kind of this really weird sort of limbo well right? they'll have they'll have a new track to put on in years to come won't they? yeah no exactly it will I can yeah imagine, you can imagine it being on there you know I, I, and i don't mind because i think it's good no i think it's just spot on for people in their 70s and their kids and the grandparents and all this sort of vibe that that whole thing is there's a sort of very european sweetness old school traditionalness there and that's what that song kind of evokes in a way abba is kind of showing that you know pop music is still kind of growing and how do you how do you kind of age with pop music and I think that a lot of the reviews have kind of missed that I'm always just grateful when I see St Etienne and Mud I know you're not a fan of the Mud track way do but it's just bleak it's like Joy Division it is that's what I like that's what that's I like hail bleakness I don't know if there ever can be a last word on a Christmas compilation because I mean this is brilliant but isn't it always just ever evolving yeah I mean there's lots of sort of the Phil Spector era stuff got its highest chart position ever last year through mm. streaming I mean Jingle Bell Rock wasn't that Home Alone that that's featured yeah. in so yeah. these films that feature these old things the more they become part of Christmas lore and it sort of alters the nature of what Christmas is in a way yeah Christmas is just wonderful it's nice to see sort of Leona Lewis one more sleep and Kelly Clarkson creeping up to yeah. the first ten Moving tracks up. and stuff. Yeah. What's your favourite Christmas song? Come on, I think we need to know more about you. What is my favourite Christmas song? I always scan these compilations to make sure that Jonah Louie's on there. Because that year it came out, 1980, was a pivotal year for me. And also as well, I think we talked about it in the podcast last year, Ian, it's just got this kind of electro sound in the past, but in the future. It doesn't sound like anything. Every time I hear the beginning of that, that makes me feel incredibly Christmassy. What a beautifully produced... Yeah, you've just sent shivers down my spine a little bit there, um, Ian. Not for the first time. I will... Um, <laughs> I'm going to look this up, this record, because you're talking about it so eloquently there. Someone called Bob Andrews. Bob and Andrews, now, he's famous. Yeah, so he was in Bringley Swartz, wasn't he? With uh, ah. he was in that band with Dave Edmonds and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Graham Parker and and yeah, that kind of it's almost pub rock. But he's obviously had a very very good ears, you know. Like uh, produced a lot of records on Stiff, which would make sense. He did the Bluebells, Young at Heart. He did There She Goes by the Lars. There you go. And he played on Maxine Nightingale. Get right back. <laughs> 
Yeah, and Nick Lowe's I Love the Sound of Breaking Glass. Oh, my God. Just looking through his list of songs, it's like Sam Brown's Stop. Oh, that was a good record, wasn't it? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, there's a lot of those songs around about that kind of 80, 81, 82 period that aren't actually Christmas songs that make me feel Christmassy. Even actually going back to ABBA, the Visitor's album, Pete Perfides has this wonderful chapter in the book just about the Visitor's album. But when the Voyage album came out, I had read all the reviews in the morning. My copy didn't arrive till lunchtime. And I thought, what am I about to hear? But actually, it connected because it was ABBA of old. It wasn't ABBA gold. It was ABBA of old. Sorry, that, that, that didn't mean that. But oh, I like it. Did you like that one there? Thank yeah, you. yeah. It's difficult to keep up with you. Oh, I know. Because <laughs> it was... If we did any ABBA album that had I Still Have Faith in You... Don't Shut Me Down. Don't Shut Me Down. Just oh, a notion. What a record. I mean, these just sit perfectly in the ABBA canon for me. Yeah, me too. Ian, I've like, played three times today, and I just sort of think, you know, this is about as satisfying a listen as any ABBA album is for me mm. the whole way through, because I do tend to skip ABBA tracks. I always have done. I've, I've had ABBA albums, you know, got most of them for Christmas at the time, but there were always ones that I used to just give up on um, yeah. you know, and, 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 and would find it irritating or a bit kind of hokey, because that's part of their DNA, which is why we love them. The minute I've got into like the second or third play, some of the melodies of kind of the tracks I'd only literally heard for the second time were embedding mm. themselves in there. What I love about Song of Freedom is this, it's almost like the spaceship of ABBA is kind of going over the horizon yeah. saying, we're off, bye, thank you, you know, because if it is the very last word, and we said it is the last word, that's a, a glorious end titles kind of vibe to kind of finish like, well, the experience. When I heard that, the last word in ABBA before this was like an angel passing through my room, which to me was the perfect ending track. The clock ticks, it stops, that's it. Yeah. However, they've actually given us another ending, which is probably better than that. Yes. So, however, but also the track before the very last line is like, "This is not the end," and I thought, "Oh, oh, I know, I thought that too." I know. uh, It's not the end because there's the next track. (laughs) Yeah, I know, but (laughs) (laughs) and there's also the missing hidden track at the end of your CD. Have you not found that one yet? No, I'm only kidding. Sorry. <laughs> oh, I shut up! I'm shut up. I would work the final. on streaming. <laughs> I'm going to ask each of you your favourite now album of the year, and what do you want to see next year from the now team? Much as I love Glenn Park, it's got to be the '83 yearbook. I was just so pleased to see that coming. I was so pleased to see it coming on vinyl, um, and I think they've just done a brilliant, brilliant job on it. And what do you want to see next year? Next year, I would like to see Now That's What I Call House. And it goes back to what we were saying about the Now Dance albums. I think that was a golden age of now, and it was a golden age of dance. I don't mean acid. So what I'm talking about is probably from Love Can't Turn Around by Farley Jack Master Funk to about, let's say, Touch Me by the 49ers. So that period which brings in Soul to Soul and Inner City and a diva and the Beatmasters... You know, you've got Robert Howard and Kim Maisel, some great dance 12 inches there. Just late 80s club. And I think that, you know, you could either do it, you could do a 12 inch extended one or even just collect us just so many hits and so many people coming through at that time. New artists, exciting artists, S-Express, Nana Cherry. I think a focus on that would be wonderful. The late 80s now dance albums were a big deal for me. I loved yeah. them. 
Johnny, what's your favourite now album of the year? I'm going to go for now 84 yearbook, just because uh, 84 was such a was such a big year for me personally. So for that, what's not to love? Looking forward to now yearbook 1984 extra. Yes. <laughs> but, uh, but also, yeah, I mean, kind of following on from what Mark said, a kind of reflection of the music that was featured in those early Now Dance albums. And as we were saying earlier, uh, from Now Soul Decades, kind of splitting it up, I'd love to see an 80s soul compilation from Now. And the final word, Mr. Weed, what was, <laughs> what's been your album of 2021? Have we taken your faves? <laughs> <laughs> Again, it's the yearbook. I'm pitching for 84. Again, because that was amazing. And the blue vinyl's very sexy. And it's got SOS Band, uh, Two Tribes, and Dr. Mabuse on. As far as future nows, I'd like to see. I concur with both Mark and Johnny as to their selections. I would like to see some more of the Forgotten Type compilations. Again, it's the crate digging. But um, I really enjoyed what they did with the uh, 80s and 90s ones. Because again, there was kind of stuff, radio edits of sort of bomb the bass and things on the 80s ones and stuff like that. I'd quite like that. Uh, as for any particular genre, I could say something like, now that's what I call Electro Clash. But I mean, <laughs> that's too niche, I think, for the, the now brand. But you never know. There were, you never maybe know. like a big old gay pride one. Now that's what I call pride would be brilliant. Yeah, I think you're right. It's a no-brainer. But again, you know, I'm happy with everything they've sort of brought out this year, perhaps bar the football one. But, you know, you can't. <laughs> that's not for me. <laughs> what about you, uh, Ian? For me, I think it's probably been the second 12-inch 80s album. The sequencing on that was amazing. There was some real exclusive mixes. And that disc three of High Energy was just so well sequenced. And the 12-inch 80s were such a big thing for me as well. And actually, there was a few on there that nodded right back to the first and second Now Dance albums. You've got Chain Reaction on there. So for me, I would say those ones. And next year? What do you want? Oh, I absolutely want now. That's what I call house. I think because, ah, good. because That's something something that bookmarks Davis. Johnny California in '86 and Michael Mulligan in 1990. I think is just absolutely perfect because it's and that would just be perfect. And there's a few 12 inch mixes in there as well. That'd be even better. Thank you so much for reviewing the year. It's, it's been a fabulous now year. I've no doubt there's going to be plenty more to come next year as well. And as we get ready for the festive season, I think it may actually be starting to snow outside as well. So I'm now going to go and dig out a copy of my now Christmas album. But uh, thank you so much uh, for joining me, guys. Thank you. Oh, it's it's been a pleasure. Yeah. Uh, a very, very happy Christmas. And a happy, happy Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas. Take care. Right, you'll tide the licitations.